It is always a privilege to be with you. It's even more of a privilege when I'm asked to share from your pulpit. Thank you for that privilege. I asked Al if he would put the American flag up here this morning. September 11th, 2001, 21 years ago, you, you watch the, the videos on 911, and one of the things that comes across very plainly is we will never forget, but we do. Oh, oh, we do. We're so good at that. It sneaks up on us every time. 21 years ago. I want you to turn this morning to Habakkuk. Habakkuk, the first chapter. Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. It's five from the end of the Old Testament. It's probably still stuck together with the gold leaf. Or at least the last coffee cake you had. I want to read to you this morning from Habakkuk, the first chapter, and a few verses out of the second chapter. I want to read it to you this morning. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. Down in my shop, I have a little, I didn't bring it with me. It's, it's too grungy to bring. My, my old, it's an old English Standard, and it's, it's dirty. But I love the way the English Standard reads on this passage. Reading to you from Habakkuk, the first chapter, starting at verse 1, chapter 1. The oracle of Habakkuk, the prophet, the oracle, the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. And, and, and the next subtitle is going to be Habakkuk's complaint. Chapter 1, verse 2, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise so the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surrounded the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. <laughs> it's hard to believe that Habakkuk wrote that a couple thousand years ago, many thousands of years ago. It sounds like it could have been written yesterday. If you watch the news. The northern tribes at this point have have all been taken into exile. Josiah was the last godly king of the southern kingdom. And he's gone. And it's time for God to talk to his people in a way that they will have to listen. Because so many times he talks to us and we just don't listen. Habakkuk's raising a, a question in reference to God's own people. Now check this out, because this is God's nation. A question we still hear today. 
Can a God of love allow bad things to happen to quote unquote good people? Chapter 1, verse 5, God answers Habakkuk, Look among the nations and see, wonder, and be astounded, for I'm doing a work in your day that you would not believe if I told you. For behold, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, or I'm raising up the Babylonians. It's a bitter and a hasty nation who march forth through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They're a dreaded and a fearsome people. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence. They all face forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff. At the rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress. For they pile up earth and they take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and they go on. Guilty men whose own might is their small g, God. Habakkuk complains again. Verse 12. If you'll allow me to interject. Wait just a minute. If I was Habakkuk, that's what I'd say. Wait just a minute. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? Are we really going to die? O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof, who are of purer eyes than to see evil. You are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man? Put the mental parentheses around this. A man that is more righteous than he. Verse 14, you, you make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out. With his net, he gathers them in his dragnet, and he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net, and he makes offerings to his dragnet. For by them, he lives in luxury, and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? Chapter 2, verse 1. Habakkuk. He's, I'm going to take my stand at my watch post and station myself on my tower. And look out to see what he will say to me. To look out to see how God will respond to me. And what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me. He says write this down. He says write the vision. Make it plain on tablets. So he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits for its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It, it will not lie. 
If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up, it is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. A quote that Paul used out of the New Testament, the just shall live by faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, open to us and to our hearts the truth of your word. Not the words of a person, but the words of God. In whose name we ask it. Amen. i got a question for you. Where were you on 911 21 years ago? Some of you guys weren't even born yet. Some of you guys were still kids. Four coordinated suicide attacks were launched by militant Islamic extremists against the United States. There were 2,977 fatalities. There were over 25,000 injuries. The long-term consequences, who knows? Billions of billions of dollars in damage 21 years ago. And again, the signs that we see about this is that we will never forget. But we are so guilty of forgetting. 21 years ago, Judy was over in Canada shopping with one of the ladies from from the church in Allagash. And when this all started to take place, one of the people from the store came and talked to Judy and, and to Penny. I, I guess they we stand out like a sore thumb when we go to Canada because we don't polyvoo Francais. <laughs> We're still working on English. And, and they said, you know something? There's something going on. And if you guys are from the States, you better cross because we don't know what this is going to do to the borders. 21 years ago, I was in, actually in, in the backyard of somebody cutting up their firewood for them. Fine print on the pastor's handbook. But you know, the events that took place around 911, those I can still remember. When I remember, it's 911. And the concern that people had around town. We had a, uh, the town, a good a part of the town got together. You know where the old Kelly store is? It's closed now, but uh, we had a prayer time out there. Although it didn't personally affect me, and that is by no means to lessen the effect or the pain of those that were personally affected. But I saw a difference in people's attitudes. Even though there was not a, somebody that you knew that was involved, there was, there was a personal connection. People that had never darkened the door of the church started coming to church. And people that hadn't been in a long time, 
they came. I guess it's been said many times. I don't know if it's actually true, but it's been said many times there are no foxhole atheists. There might be some atheists that don't agree with that. I have no clue. But that's what's said. Unfortunately, even though for the, the catastrophic event that took place, and we will not downplay the effect on people's lives, the effect that it had on the church was pretty short lived. Because the people that came, because, and you know, you start to wonder where, where is this all going? And soon people started feeling more secure. And they didn't come back to church. You know, since then, there have been in different magnitudes. We've all had things that have brought us sleepless nights and fear and terror. Awful events. Uh, passing away of parents, whatever it is. Habakkuk, if you'd go back to the first chapter, Habakkuk in this passage, as I read this, I find three main things that Habakkuk is concerned about. Three main things that I want to just talk about briefly this morning, although not in the order in which he writes them. There would be three things. Number one would be injustice. Number two would be inactivity. And number three would be inequality or inequity. Again, I, I don't verify that all of these are really words. If they are, that's a wonderful thing. My whole computer is, and I've told you this before, if I get a little red squiggly line underneath the word, I just say, add it to the dictionary. Because out of all of the languages that that computer knows, it can look at what I wrote and said, I have no clue what you're trying to say. Go back to chapter 1, go to verse 3. I want to talk about injustice for just a minute. Why do you make me Habakkuk talking to God? Why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. And, and we hinted at this before. Who's Habakkuk talking about? This is God's people. This is God's people. This is not necessarily the world around him. This is God's people. And in, of course, because in the time frame, the northern kingdom was already in exile. The southern kingdom is shortly heading in that direction. Because God's taking them to the woodshed. And so many of God's people had turned away from God. And I don't, I don't want to run a parallel, direct parallel to where Habakkuk is with God's people to the people of God today. I'm, I'm not going there. 
I'm not, but you know something? We have the capability. We have the capability. I'm sure we don't ever see injustice in all of these things in the church. Habakkuk is bringing up the question of God's integrity. And I don't believe for a minute that Habakkuk questioned God's integrity. I'm not saying that. But you know, many, many times we look at things from a human perspective. And if you're going to think it, you might as well talk to God about it because he already knows what you're thinking. You know, he knows what you're thinking. You don't have these two parts in your brain. And he says, okay, I'm going to think about this and then I'm going to let God in on what I'm thinking about. God already knows what you're thinking about. So you might as well talk to him about it. And it's sort of the same question, if you will, that Satan raises in Genesis, the third chapter, with Adam and Eve. When Satan says to Eve, come on, look at that fruit. We won't call it an apple. But look at that fruit. I mean, that is one nice looking piece of fruit. Hoo-wee! I'll bet that tastes good. Do you think God is holding out on you? You think God is keeping something back from you? Oh, I'll bet that tastes good. I can't believe that a God who wants only the best for you would keep that from you. Are you you sure that's what he said? You know, it's the same question that people have been asking themselves for thousands of years ever since. When they try to justify the fruit that's tempting them. Would God hold that back? I mean, he created it. Would God hold that back from you? Satan's pretty good at that. And again, if your humanity raises the question, you might as well talk to God about it. Because he knows what you're thinking. Be honest with him. I love Habakkuk's honesty here in this book of Habakkuk. Like I like, I like the honesty of David. When David goes before God and says, man, I don't know what you're doing. Well, you know something? David didn't have to. And you and I don't have to. And Habakkuk didn't have to. Can we see injustice alive and well in the world around us? I won't ask for an amen. Should we see it in the church? No. No. Question number two, after the injustice, is Habakkuk talking about God's inactivity or what Habakkuk perceives to be God's inactivity. Look at chapter 1, verse 2. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Have you ever asked the question or heard the question asked, how could a God of love allow this to happen? 
Yeah. If I've said this before, hold up two fingers. I'm getting old. I'm trying not to drool, but I'm getting old. Remind me if I've said this before. Right after the uh, last election, I met a gentleman in the parking lot at Subway in Presque Isle. And he was bemoaning the results of the last election. And I said, after a brief conversation, I said, you know something? I says, we need to remember God's in control. And he said, well, you know something? He says, God better hurry up and make that evident because things are pretty messed up. And I had to remind him, you know, just because things aren't going the way that you want them to go does not mean that isn't exactly what you need or what God wants to happen in your life. Isaiah said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Have you ever prayed for something? I mean earnestly prayed for something and, and waited and waited and waited and waited for the answer. Did God hear me? Is he going to answer David said in Psalm 5, he says, I give ear to the words of, I give ear, give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Hearken unto my voice, my King and my God, unto thee I will pray. My voice shall thou hear in the morning, O Lord, and in the morning I will direct my prayer unto thee, and I will look up. He said, in other words, I'm going to pray in the morning, I'm going to wait for your answer. You still waiting? Are there some answers that seem like they're an awful long time coming? When you don't understand where God is going with something, I like to go back to Habakkuk, the second chapter. Second chapter, look at verse 1. Because, you know, God doesn't always say yes, no, or wait. Sometimes, sometimes the painful part's the wait. Habakkuk, the second chapter, look at verse 1. Here's, where, here's what Habakkuk looks at after all of this happens. And he's still got all of these questions and is rattling around in his head. He says, I will take my stand at my watch post, my station... I'll station myself on the tower and I'll look out to see what he will say unto me and when, what I will answer concerning, what he will answer concerning my complaint. And, and Habakkuk's not saying, I'm going to go sit in my treehouse and read my latest outdoor life or fur fishing game and wait and see what God's going to talk about. Remember Ezekiel talking about the watchtower? Ezekiel 3rd chapter, verse 17, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman out of the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. See, Habakkuk was in the same watching position that Ezekiel talked about, the same watching position that God has put us in. 
And Habakkuk says, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to go on about what God has called me to do. And I'm going to wait on his answer and trust him. And if I hear the answer, cool. I'll go with the answer. If I don't, I'm going to trust God that God knows best for my life. Now, other than the injustice and the inactivity, Habakkuk also raises the question here about the the method that God is using to deal with his naughty people. And Habakkuk talks about inequity. Go to chapter 1, verse 5. God's saying, look among the nations and see wonder and be astounded. I'm doing something in your day you ain't going to believe. For behold, I'm raising up the Chaldeans or the Babylonians, that bitter and hasty nation. Drop down to verse 12. Habakkuk responds, the rest of it is the description of of the the Babylonians, but Habakkuk responds, he says, wait a minute. He says, aren't you from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man? I told you to put a mental parenthesis around this. The man more righteous than he. And I think Habakkuk, if you'll go with me for just a second, and this is generally the direction that this is taken That Habakkuk buys the lie of Satan that we are more righteous than other people. Do we have the human capacity or capability of thinking that we are more righteous than somebody else? Don't say amen really loud. How about more righteous than... Islamic extremists who kill 3,000 people and, and maim and destroy the lives of so many people. You know, I, I, I'm pretty sure that we all know where Habakkuk went wrong theologically. And I'm not saying he did. Paul wrote in the third chapter of Romans, he says, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that seeketh God. There's, not, there's nobody. Isaiah wrote, all my righteousness is what? Filthy rags. And we do all fade as a leaf, and our iniquity like the wind hath taken us away. I don't, I don't think we could fault Habakkuk for thinking that way. I don't think we could. From an honest perspective. I mean we've all met people. That are. Just a step above the rest of everybody else. I mean haven't we? Don't, don't 
shake your head or look at anybody. When we go around singing, I'm pressing on the upward way. Praise God, I'm getting better every day. That's not the way the song goes. But you know, I don't even know that we need to take what Habakkuk said to that height. Go back, if you would, to verse 13. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you widely look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? If you look up in the Hebrew, the word righteous, it means a moral or an ethical standard or failure to conform to that standard. Are there not fears in your life or terrors in your life that we feel that because we're God's children, he should have protected us from them? And it's not just an inequity of of people, it's inequity. I mean, God, you should have protected me. Don't, Don't we feel that we have some sort of a barrier around us? Below the standard of God's care. And I have to, I'm not going to tell you this is what Habakkuk was thinking. I'm not that old. And I'm not that smart. But if I put myself in Habakkuk's place, I would have to be concerned not just about the weapon of exile, but the exile itself. Wait, wait a minute, Lord. I mean, what do you, uh, isn't this a little extreme? I mean, as God's children, shouldn't we we, be protected from cancers and heart attacks, um, falling down and breaking parts, (laughs) um, strokes, Blood clots, leukemias, all these other shouldn't I mean isn't there did God ever say that I'm gonna protect you from all of these things? No. But you know what he did say? He says, as you go through them, he says, Never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Because you know so many times it's the things that you and I go through. That help us to grow. And, and help the people around us to say, hey, you know something? He or she, they, they handled that different. I was down in um, Holton a couple of days ago. I think I was going through Littleton. And a sign on the front of a church caught my eye. God is bigger than any giants you will face. I like that. But what needs to be implied or at least said after that is you need to give the giant to God. Because so many times we we say, yep, God is bigger than that giant. And then I take the giant home. And we go out for supper. 
And that giant keeps me awake at night. And we need, like Habakkuk did, just to say, you know something? I'm going to give this to God. And I'm going to trust him for the outcome. Paul said to the Corinthian church, who comfort us with all comfort in our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in trouble. By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted. Does God use the events of your life and mine? He sure does. Are there times that God says, I am going to protect this person? From Of course there are. Of course there are. Praise God. Because we haven't even got a clue what we would go through. Jesus said to Peter, what did he say? He says, Satan's going to sift you. He's going to mess you up. And Peter says, I got this one covered. I'm good, Lord. You know, because so many times Satan can attack us where we think we're our strongest. Because that is where we think we need God the least. I love the way Habakkuk ends this book. I want you to turn to the third chapter. Third chapter, verse 17. After all of this that Habakkuk has got going on in his mind, and, and it's not necessarily good news that God gives him, but... Habakkuk has, has resided in himself and said, I'm going to trust God. And I love the way he ends this chapter 3, verse 17. He says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall the fruit be on the vine. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat, and the flocks shall be cut off from the fold. There shall be no herd in the stalls. The freezer's empty. The flaky puffs are all gone. And the grocery store is closed. And the price of gas is up. And the price of steak is up. And hamburgers even higher. Don't even look at the hot dogs. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like hinds feet. He'll make me to walk upon high places. We have, we have some deer that, that frequent our backyard. There's a mama and her twins. And, and I love to watch them. The, the, the twins, I mean, they're just little bouncy things. The doing, the doing, the doing. And, and we've got a, a, we call it the Suez Canal. It's a little river that's cut down through that, that takes care of the drainage of our property. And, and they will come to that and go, boing, and go right over it. And I walk up to that and I get stuck in the mud and put my shoes back on. And then I waddle. And they just go, boing. Does... Habakkuk say here that God is going to take away all of the problems? No. But he's going to help us to recognize the eternal value 
of the problems. Farmer had two sons. They went out in the field pick up the hay that had been cut. Dad drove the tractor. That's the way it should be. Dad should drive the tractor. Teach them boys to work. And the two boys are throwing hay onto the wagon. And one of them reaches down and he picks up a bale of hay and there's a poisonous snake that reaches up and grabs his arm. Well, the boy that didn't get bit hollers at the father and the father stopped and they looked at the boy that had the snake bite and they didn't know what to do. I guess they never watched the John Wayne movie. John Wayne, he always cut a big X on that thing, sucked the poison out. Now, I mean, my goodness, you were good till the next advertisement. But not knowing what to do, the father says to the son that didn't get bit, he says, he says, go to town and get the preacher. Now, they didn't have a doctor. Preachers get called for a lot of strange things sometimes. And the preacher comes out to the field and the father explains all that had gone on. And they're looking at the and poor little kids in pain. And, and the father says to the preacher, he says, I want you to pray like you never prayed before. Bear in mind, these weren't exactly your church-going folk. But he says, I want you to pray like you've never prayed before. And that preacher folded his hands. And he raised his eyes to God and he says, Gracious Father who knows and loves all, send us some more snakes. And the father reaches out and he grabs the preacher by He's, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's, that's not what I asked you to pray. And the father says, you know what? He says, if it only took one snake for you to see that your only hope is in God. He says, imagine what he could do with a whole bunch of snakes in this town. I'm not asking God for more problems. I'm not asking God for more 911s. I'm not asking God for more. I think we got enough sickness and cancers and stuff going around. I think... But the ones that we have, are we giving to him? And are we trusting him that when the next thing comes along, that he'll give us the strength? Not, not just to... I mean, so many times when something goes on in our life, I mean, the first, we put them on the prayer list, and that's nothing against prayer lists. But we, we say, take it away, Lord! And it might be just exactly what we need to help us grow. And it might not even just be to help us grow, but to help the person that's watching. Trust me, the world is watching. To help us and the world grow. Are we giving him? God is bigger than any of the giants in our lives. But we've got to give the giants to him. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the way Habakkuk handled this. May he help us in the issues of our own lives. And we praise you for our country. We praise you for our own, own lives. Because there's as much wrong with our own lives as there is with our country.
but in all of our humanity, help us to love you and to show others you are the only answer. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.